This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and if you are going to do a selfie, may I suggest you have my wife do it for you? <laughs> um, I just say that because my wife likes doing a lot of selfies. It's just something she does. She doesn't really share them with anybody as far as I know, and occasionally I see them, and I think, wow, those are really good. I even suggested her, you should, I don't know, Set up a website of Amy's selfies and just put your best ones up there. She's got a really good eye for it. I mean, she's an artist and she's got uh, a background in photography. She learned some, she took photography when she was in art school. She's even got some actual photographic equipment down in the basement, you know, enlargers and stuff, um, which. I'm not sure that kind of thing is used anymore. It's pretty much gone all digital. But she just does these things on her iPad, pod, iPod thing. Just her little iPod thing that she's got. And, well, I bring this up because um, uh, last Saturday, uh, we, uh, she, you know, we got home from uh, uh, the memorial service for, that, for Ed who had died a couple of weeks ago. Ed was a sort of a uh, extended family member. You know, I go through the I go through the verbal uh, jungle to get, to describe how he's how he was related to me. Uh, okay, so he's he he's my wife's brother's wife's sister's husband. Okay? So he's a brother-in-law of my brother-in-law who isn't me. That's how I put it. And I talked about him a couple weeks ago. Uh, he had died. And um, last Saturday was his memorial service. He was only 44. And uh, he had cancer. And he was a really good guy. And boy, the memorial service was well done. Uh, and there was some. There were people that got up and talked about him. And it was just... It was super. And, and uh, you know, he had a boss. An old boss of his. He wasn't his boss anymore. He, he, he just, you know, I hired him to work for me for whatever, and then at some point Ed got another job. And but they had formed a, a, a friendship, and his his talk was very emotional. And and then there was another close friend of Ed's, a fellow named Dave, who I guess is also a neighbor. He was, man, <laughs> he was uh, a very you know moved by the loss of his friend and had a. He had things to say, and he had a hard time. 
kind of getting up there. But we were there for him. Hey, you know, you know, there's nobody gonna be upset with you if, if you have to pause once in a while to recollect yourself. It's it's understandable. In fact, when he got up, he talked and he got a little bit of a laugh, and 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 that that. He felt a little bit of a reset. Every time we would laugh at something, he would kind of reset. I mean, he would actually ask us, oh, come on, guys, laugh. Please laugh. And because when he would get to a particularly emotional, difficult, sad, or just something that was moving him, where he was having a hard time saying what he had written down on his, on his paper that he had brought up to help him through his talk, so he would just say, oh, please laugh. And he did that like three or four times. And we laughed each time because each time it was kind of funny. And each time we wanted to, hey, we're here to support you. Say what you got to say. Um, and it was really it was really well done. Uh, and there was um, uh, um, Dawn, that was, that's, that was Ed's wife. She wrote uh, something that she had a friend go up and read to everybody. And, she, and in that reading... Uh, she included a letter that Ed had written to her. Uh, their relationship was kind of a long-distance thing. They they were kind of on and off a little, and they were off for a bit, and he was in another relationship that he wasn't happy with. And somehow they reconnected. You know, Ed says he wrote her. Don says she wrote. he wrote him. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Let's, let's get that right. Ed says she wrote him. <laughs> and Don says he wrote her. But whichever, somehow they reconnected, and so the friend of of Ed and Don read a letter that Ed had written to Don, and wow, you know it wasn't Sullivan Ballou, I think that's the guy's name, Sullivan Ballou. If you've watched Ken Burns' Civil War documentary series, at the end of the first part of it, um, there's a letter that's read. That was written by a soldier to his wife, you know, before going into battle, and don't mourn me dead. You know, it's just a beautiful, just a beautiful, beautiful letter, just poetry, just wonderful. And I'm not a big poetry guy. And then it has the kicker that he was killed in that battle that came up. So it wasn't quite at that level, but it was at that level uh, in sincerity and emotion and just and just honesty. And, you know, had I known Dawn at the time, and she said, here's this letter I got from Ed, I would have read that and said, marry this guy. <laughs> and she did. So, uh, very well done. Uh, there, was a, there, was a, you know, there was a religious element to it. I know, I'm an atheist. Of course, I didn't jump up and say, hey, guys. No, no, it's not, I didn't. I listened. Uh, there was a young pa uh, youngish pastor. He was in his 40s, I suppose. Uh, or late 30s, youngish pastor, prematurely gray, uh, goatee, ponytail. I was telling this to Dave, a friend of mine, and he said, <laughs> just before he could say it, I said, he had a guitar. <laughs> he starts laughing. He says, I was going to ask, did he have a guitar? He did, and he played, and he's well, and he had a good singing voice, and he, there was a couple songs sung, a couple of religious, you know, Amazing Grace, of course, and How Great Thou Art, which that song, for whatever reason, got stuck in my head. No, it wasn't God trying to communicate to me. It was just an earworm for the rest of that day. But the brilliant part that they did, because Ed was a fan of Star Trek, 
as as we were filing out, you know, the procession to leave the chapel area to go to the luncheon that's just on the other side of the building, as we were heading out, they played Star Trek music, you know, the themes, the various themes from Star Trek, and it just was well, that's brilliant, because that 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 was it, so it was really well done. Anyway, um, uh, you know, and it, and one thing I didn't mention when I talked about this before. Was that um, you know I I, I I did say that we you know we feel sad for 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 Dawn but we don't I don't I, not in a, you know I mean she lost her the love of her life and that's you know, the sadness there she's a strong woman she has to be she's a strong person she you know was by him through the disease especially at this end part where it just really started to take a toll and she you know she, you know we we hope that she has. You know, she carries that strength that she had for him, for herself, and moves you know into this next part of her life, which she'll have to go through. But she has friends and family, and I get it's one thing I didn't mention last time, and I should have uh, the friends that she's got that really came up and helped her. Uh, neighbors, uh, the, the the friend that was you know, the guy, the fellow that had the hard time getting through. Dave had a hard time getting through his talk. He was helping with things around the house and just just being there. And these neighbors just helped with, you know, giving Dawn a break once in a while, so somebody would be there with Ed, so Dawn could just kind of go and clear her head and just kind of get away for a little bit and and just that, that kind of help. And and there was one neighbor that uh, she was the one that organized that benefit. There was a benefit for Ed a couple of weeks before he he died. And this neighbor got businesses to donate things and she just got the ball rolling and it was just really well done I was very impressed so some good friends there and they're gonna be helping Dawn and, and we'll do what we can and Dawn tried to get Amy to get on Facebook Amy my wife you, you get on Facebook we can chat and talk you know and I said, you should get on Facebook <laughs> said, I don't know <laughs> Amy's not sure anyway it was well done and um, you know, maybe sometime, maybe next week or some other time, I'll talk about how this atheist thinks about death and and what uh, what comfort I get, not from death, but just from where I find comfort in what I believe, if I can use that word, but not now. So anyway, in between the the the, the service was in the morning. And then there was a, a dinner that Dawn had for her friends and family uh, later on in the evening. And so in between that, we came home and just kind of resting and just relaxed. And Amy went up and laid up in her bed. And then I, up in our bed. And um, I went up to I know, put something away or whatever I was doing, check on her. And she's taking some selfies. And, uh, um, and I just thought, oh, I, that's kind of cool, and I, you know, that's her thing. And I got in bed, you know, cuddled up to her, and I said, "Well, I'll take one of us, you know, let's get a good one of us." And I'm telling you, she's got, she's got the eye. Like I said, she's an artist, a designer. Uh, she's got the idea, uh, the eye for photography. She's got, you know, it was great. I mean, she's just using it. So she's, she does it in such a way, where it's many times not all the time I, I and i haven't seen all the images she's she's done but it's it's hard to tell that she's taking a selfie 
it's hard to say that you see that arm coming out you know that's how most times there's there's that indication of that shoulder pushed forward that the arm is coming out and then to see okay that you're holding the device so in the picture that you took of us it is there was somebody I, I shared it on Facebook and uh, a Facebook friend said that she couldn't you couldn't tell it's a selfie uh, she said there's no tension in the shoulder and I said my wife's really good at it and she even said she she said the the when I put the first I only think what I did was I wrote you know if you're gonna do a selfie you should have my wife take it or something like that uh, my wife should really take other people's selfies it's really she's really good at it and then there was some comments and then I put the picture in the comments uh, and um, the woman that was complimenting at first she was saying you know know your angle do, do you hold the camera up not down unless you know front you know because you don't want that you know, looking up at your chin unless you want to get the job of the hut look she was she, you know she said that and lighting 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 it's always for taking good selfies and I said well here's the one that I'm why I'm talking about this and she just said wow <laughs> essentially she said that's you can't tell it's a selfie you can't see any tension in the shoulder it's the composition she, she said that the lighting is terrific she says it's a master class in selfies that one picture that my wife took that I put up and it's it, it's, it's a nice picture of the two of us together I think it's it's really good and it put me in the mind let me look guys I wrote down their names of uh, uh, world-famous photographers from the 1960s uh, 50s probably too but 60s Astrid Kircher I'm not sure if I'm saying that name correctly and uh, Robert Freeman is that Robert if I got Robert right Robert Freeman uh, they're both affiliated with the Beatles Astrid was the girlfriend of Stuart Sutcliffe, who was an early member of the Beatles. You've heard of them, right? Even if you're young and you don't know music because you're stupid. <laughs> no, you're not stupid. You're just, you're just not exposed. You've heard of the Beatles, I hope. I mean, there was a joke in the 70s that, you know, for young people, that uh, the older, slightly older people would say, you know, it's just, yeah, you know, the Beatles, that was Paul McCartney's band before Wings, because, you know, the kids just know Wings, right? That was, that was a joke back in the, the day. And, um, anyway, Stuart Sutcliffe was, as far as I can recall about the story, he, he couldn't play an instrument, but he was their bass player, and he would, they would just kind of fake it. But he was with them in the early days with Pete Best as the drummer and when the the band went to Hamburg Germany to do these you know, they, they go there for a week or something and they play every day these grueling eight-hour sessions of just playing or however long they were not great living conditions they didn't get paid very well but what they got out of it was they they learned their craft at being a band and how to preserve their voices and how to play and how to you know, how to work the audience and how to, they learned all kinds of things like that um, and so I guess there was a, it, it, you know, it was it was a pretty rough area of Germany, uh, of Hamburger, of Hamburg, <laughs> not Hamburger, and there was a, uh, I think John and Stuart got jumped some night, and and Stuart got beat up pretty badly. He died of some, I think some brain hemorrhaging. I think I don't have all the details. I didn't look into all that. But Astrid Kircher 
was his girlfriend, and she was a photographer. So she took some very early pictures of the Beatles, you know, when they were more uh, Elvis-looking. They, they had more Elvis-type hair. They didn't have the mop tops yet. They hadn't met Brian Epstein, and he hadn't reformed them. And, uh, and so there's those kinds of pictures. And there's a, a self-portrait she did with Stuart. They're looking into a mirror, I think. And that image, I'll put it on the show notes so you can take a look at it. That image reminded me of what my wife had done. And, uh, and then Robert Freeman, again, associated with the Beatles. Uh, it's also very much like, uh, I think it was the Beatles' second album. I think their first album was called uh, was Please Please Me. And the second album was in the UK. It was released under the title With the Beatles. And in the United States, it was released under the title Meet the Beatles, with, I think, a different, slightly different song listing and on it. And that's that iconic album cover with the four Beatles. With the, it's black and white. Uh, which, by the way, the picture that my wife took was a black and white photo as well. So it's it's black and white, and it's it's got the, the, the heavy light on the one side and shadow on the other side of their faces. And that's, that's what we had set up, because it was in our bedroom, and there's, there was no lights on, but it was during the afternoon. And so there's light coming into the room through the bedroom window, which is off to our ones to our left side as we were laying on the bed. And but we have these darkish blue drapes that aren't blackout drapes. They let light come through, but it filters in. So that might have had an effect, the filtering effect on the on the photo. But uh, she, I just watching her do it. She's just holding up the camera. She's composing the picture. She's looking at the at the at the screen she's composing it and we're laying there and then I did something that I learned from my friend Craig who's a photographer and um, uh, to to lower my glasses just a little bit because I could see that there was a glare in my glasses and so I lowered them just a little bit so that in the photograph it still looks like I'm wearing my glasses properly but I've changed the angle just enough to keep the glare out of my eyes so Amy took like four or five pictures, and, and I put the best one up uh, and uh, on the Facebook, and I'll put it up on the show notes page. But she, it was great, and it's black and white. It's cool. It's it's just got a cool vibe to it. It's just awesome. So if you're gonna do a selfie, you should have my wife do it for you. Uh, the only thing is, she'll have to be in the picture with you because, well, yeah. Just a, a, a just a neat picture. She's she's a very talented person. Very, very talented. Okay, uh, speaking of very talented people, uh, the people who recorded uh, the uh, song for this bumper as I head to my break, they were very talented. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return after this break. we hear any competition you're listening to z talk radio network wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease 
to wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the Happy Birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Doubtful News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Doubtful News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? <laughs> We're scaring up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. That, of course, was Prince. I think Prince and the Revolution, technically, uh, did that album, which was called... Was that called Around the World in a Day? <laughs> it was the uh, follow-up to Purple Rain. And it was uh, Prince's move into uh, psychedelic-type stuff. And that song, of course, was Raspberry Beret. Um, it's been a year since Prince died. As I record, this is exactly a year uh, since he died. And I re-listened to the Stuck in the 80s podcast that I was a part of, um, that uh, Steve Spears and Brad Williams put together. They got Jen with one N uh, on. She's a, a, a frequent contributor now to the podcast, but that was her first time on, and I'd been on a couple few times before, um, but they had to have me on because I'm, you know, up here next to Minneapolis, not in Minneapolis, but next to it, and uh, we talked about Prince and his influence and how it just shocked the hell out of us when he died. They're still trying to sort things out, and I guess this weekend, uh, I think tonight and tomorrow night, there's going to be, you know, First Avenue is going to have dance party stuff going on, and there's going to be a block party that's already filled up, you know, sold out. Tech. Yeah, I don't think it. I think it's free, except you need to you need to sign up to be part of it, and I think that went pretty quick. So that stuff's happening. I'm sure I haven't seen the news yet to see what's going on, but uh, it's weird. It's it's weird how time moves so quickly uh, that it's been a year already. Before you know it, I'll be in my grave. <laughs> and I won't know it because I'll be dead. Um, but I might. I don't know. Uh, 
Um, I wanted to talk about this. It's not quite as timely as it would have been if I talked about it last week, but uh, the United Airlines thing, the the overbooked flight uh, that that was heading I don't know, to Louisville from I want to say Chicago. I, if I got the names of the cities wrong, I'm sorry, but. That's not the pertinent detail here. The pertinent detail is that four employees of United Airlines thought that they were so much more important than the passengers because at United Airlines, the customer is always expendable. Uh, they needed to get somewhere. And so the they muscled their way onto this flight. Uh, the airline did the thing now. First off, and this is this is something that bothered me almost from the very beginning of this reporting on this story. It, it, they kept saying overbooked. The flight was overbooked. And from just going by the reports, the information given in the reports, I kept saying, it, no, it was not overbooked. It was a fully booked flight. People had boarded the plane. The passengers had boarded. They'd been. They were seated, and then the announcement comes on saying, "Ah, uh, gee whiz, guys, <laughs> sorry, but uh, four of you are going to have to, you know, get the hell off the plane." <laughs> we'll take volunteers. If you volunteer, we'll give you. I think the first round was like four hundred bucks, and put you put you up in a hotel or something like that. Uh, the second offer was 800 bucks. Now, from what I understand, learning since this happened, they could go as high as something like $1,300. That offer, there's certain rules within, you know, regulations within the fly, you know, flying, you know, the way the, oh, I, don't, I don't know who, who's in charge of airports in, the, in, the, in our government, but there's certain regulations, and one of them is that you, you can offer up to like twice the price of the ticket, with a cutoff being, you know, thirteen hundred bucks or thirteen fifty or something like that. And it, nobody was taking. And I from and I, I also I read that uh, at first people were amenable to the idea until they found out that the next flight out that they could get was going to be the next day, and they didn't. They did, no, no, no. So then, what does United do? Then they start uh, randomly picking volunteers to leave the flight, and you know three of them. Okay, we'll do it. But now I'm sure they gave them the same compensation offer that they had, uh, they had offered that they saw, you know, the 800 bucks and whatever. But one fellow didn't want to get off the plane. A fellow named Dow, and uh, you know he says he's a doctor. He's got to get to work. I got to get there. I can't. You know, I I don't want to leave the plane. And then, you know, I think I, I had read or was hearing when everybody's talking, like at the Minnesota Skeptics Meetup, that we were talking about this, that it says, you're going to have to drag me off the plane, which is what they did. And I'll get to that more in a moment. Uh, after he got dragged off the plane, he somehow he got back on the plane and when he comes in he says I, I want to go I got to go home 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 he had this this demeanor to him and he kept repeating this line I have to get home I have to go home or whatever um, to which one of the skeptics when we were talking about this Erica she mentioned now 
she was the only one to mention. She says this is just speculation, and it is. It's just speculation. So far, I haven't heard anything that would conf- to confirm this. But she said his behavior. She thought, could this guy be on the autistic spectrum? And you know, she started saying, you know, that it's, it's not that he, you know, when when people with autism are prepared for for something like this to go flying. You know, it's, it's out of their normal routine, but they, they get themselves prepared and they're there and they're ready, and then this happens. You know, this, she said the way he was, when he got back on the plane, the way he was kind of repeating this thing that he was saying, and his actions kind of put in mind that he might be on the spectrum. He might not be. He just, just This just might be the way the guy freaks out. That's, you know, it just... So that's pure speculation, but it's interesting to think, well, maybe that's part of it. Uh, and this was a despicable aspect of it, and I'm not going to go into it. I'm just going to say the man's past has nothing to do with what happened on that flight. It's not relevant at all, his past, because stuff was brought up a couple days after this whole thing happened. And then, of course, United Airlines, they're president or CEO says, you know, uh, very sorry that we had to reaccommodate. It's just very tone-deaf apology about it. And I guess even since then, uh, um, United has reworked their policy about how to do this kind of stuff. And hopefully they'll figure this thing out. But the thing is that really got me as I was watching this thing, uh, the videos coming from it, is that it's in the, God, it's in the goddamn portrait format. Oh, and you know what? I was going to really go off and just lay into those people who just, all you got to do is turn your wrist 90 degrees. Just turn the camera 90 degrees. That's all you got to do. But then somewhere in the back of my mind, a little, I don't know, my conscience, (laughs) who knew I had one, said, look, damn, don't be an asshole. (laughs) I, I don't call myself damn. Do I? I know. Jim, don't be an asshole. Don't. It's like this was happening like that. It was just happening, and these people grabbed their phones out and they and their their devices, and they just started videoing. That's. I mean, and they. Of course, they're not going to be thinking that. Well, we got to do this in landscape because there's this guy who does a podcast <laughs> slash internet radio show with. You know, five or six listeners who's going to really rail at us for doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, and, to, and, and be upset about seeing it on the news with the black bars on the sides and the, it's just the confined kind of look of the image. But, you know, they're on them. It is fairly vertical, the action, I guess. So, portrait was okay, kind of. But what struck me, this 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 thing in my brain that was telling me not to be a dick about it, was that really my problem isn't with the folks, the regular folks out there that are just trying to uh, take an image, uh, uh, take video. It's, it's obviously easier to hold the device the way they do so that it's in the portrait. And it's, it's just easier. It's just, you know, and it's 
there are plenty of people who are getting it. I've seen some uh, concert footage or something. I can't remember what concert it was. Was it? Uh, it might have been Springsteen, and he brought this four-year-old kid up on stage so the two of them could dance. He's doing some live thing, and all these people are holding up their 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 camera things, their devices, their phones or whatever, taking video, and virtually all of them holding up had them landscape. And I went, oh right, you know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Springsteen, but oh right. I mean, I'm not. I don't hate Springsteen, but you know. but so I saw that and I thought, well, this is good. This is hope for the future of our of our species. But it, it really, the, the 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 problem I have, or the person or the entity that I have the problem with, is not the people using the product. It's the manufacturers. It's those guys. It's Sony, it's Apple, it's Samsung, it's Joe's cell phones, whatever. It's those guys. Joe's cell phone, that's that's what I use. My little flip phone thing. I love the flip phone. I know it's such an out-of-date kind of thing. And it's such a, you know, the young people look at you like, you're such a doofus. But I love it. Because... <laughs> I didn't even want the damn thing to begin with, but now I have it, and okay, I've got it, and it's and it has come in handy, and okay, fine. But I like the aspect that it's like Star Trek. You can pop it open like a communicator in Star Trek, and if you use the speakerphone, you can actually kind of pretend that it's Star Trek. Scotty, hey, Scotty, beat me up. That's a pretty good uh, Kirk impression, isn't it? Anyway, um, it's it's with the manufacturers. It's, it's got to be simple to just set the video default to landscape. That's all they got to do. It defaults to landscape. So when somebody pops up their video, no matter how they hold the camera, it takes the, the pictures in landscape. If they want to do a vertical video, and why would they want to? But if they wanted to, they'd have to go into the settings, and they have to turn it on to portrait to do it that way. You know, but otherwise, just no matter which way you hold it, it's going to be landscape. That can be done. There are apps that make that possible. So why don't all the manufacturers do this? And then people like me can stop getting angry every time we see videos on the news done by amateurs in the portrait format. I've beaten this damn thing to, to death, haven't I? Sorry. Um, but that's, I was, like I said, I was going to go after the people and then I realized, no, no, it's not the consumer that's at fault here. Yeah, they can make the effort, sure, but it's not, it's not their fault. It's the manufacturer's fault. They could easily set it to landscape. So I appeal to you folks who design these things, who build these things. Are you listening to me, you know, kids in China? Well, they, they don't have an idea. They, they just build them. They, they, don't, they don't design the features. Just set it up so that it's always landscape. No matter what way, always landscape. Always landscape. <sighs> okay. Uh, let's see. I'm going to take my break a little bit early. Uh, I'm going to get back. I'm going to talk about some demonic stuff. Ooh, that ought to be awesome. Uh, yeah, and also uh, I'm going to address this idea of of why do some YouTubers, people that put video up on YouTube, take their video in in cars? Why do they do it in a car? I'll I'll I think I have some answer to that. I'll be back. You're listening to Dimline Radio on Z Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Dim, your host. I'll be back. 
conversation's not your cup of tea. Then drink coffee! 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 coffee. <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Dr. Dim might even have a guest or two. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run with those scissors... It's the least you can do. The competition has taken notice. Oh, my God. Good luck keeping up with us. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Ah, demons. Oh, demons are awesome. When Z-Talk was younger, and I was first starting to hang out in the chat rooms at Z-Talk and listening to the paranormal programming that, that uh, dominates the uh, network... Oh. Dang, this just this just occurs to me, because on Z Talk Radio, I think on Fridays in the mornings, I think it's three hours worth of Alex Jones. <laughs> now I can I can talk shit about Alex Jones. Uh, I can't talk shit about um, about other hosts on Z Talk Radio uh, that that do shows for Z Talk Radio. 
But Alex Jones is a syndicated thing for here. He's you know so there's I, I've talked to the owner of the station. I said you know I'm gonna I'm gonna talk shit about him. I'm gonna talk you know once in a while it's gonna happen because this guy is Mr. False Flag. Everything that happens is a false flag. And now that he's getting divorced from his wife and he's trying to get custody of his kids or whatever he's trying to do in court, his lawyer is arguing that Alex Jones is a performance artist. And he's not really the guy, the the you know the guy on the edge of having a heart attack. I've seen segments of his show, and he starts getting, "I'm human, I'm mad, I'm mad," and it's just you just look at him as he turns beet red, and says, "You know, your heart's going to explode if you keep doing that, pal." And uh, uh, he, he, apparently, it's all just a put on. It's just to put on. He just wants to sell you his, you know, his conspiracy theory videos that he produces and his, and his vitamins and and essential oils or whatever he sells on his on his on his show. Wildly popular show. Oh boy, he gets a lot of listeners and all that, a lot of viewers, and he's you know, and now he's got the ear of the president apparently, but he's in court. It's right to say, no, I'd be a good father. I'm good. I'd, I'm not that crazy guy you see on there. I'm just pretending to be that crazy guy. It's performance art. Okay, unless that's a false flag. Is that a false flag? Is that some kind of, they're coming to get our guns thing? Alex, is that what you're, what's going on there? The guy's full of shit, so what are you going to do? Um, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, demons and the early days of, of Z Talk. When I used before I started doing a show, and I used to go in and listen to a couple of the uh, programs that would be on on Z Talk back in those days, and they'd have guests on talking about all the paranormal stuff, and they'd have people on that were experts about demons. Now. I, I agree, or or I concede that there can be experts about demons when it comes to folklore about demons. You know, what were the stories told in the past about demons? How did the demons, how, you know, how did uh, demons uh, relate to ancient Egyptians and the ancient Greeks? What would, you know, how did that? And I can I can accept that there's somebody who would be an expert in that kind of thing, but. In an, an expert on somebody, uh, somebody being an expert about demons that don't actually exist, <laughs> like oh, I know all about. I, I, of course, don't believe that demons exist. There's, there's no such thing. Uh, you know that there's, there's not. That's, I could be wrong, could be, but so far there's been no really good evidence that they exist. But there are people out there. Who do believe it? And so I would listen to these these shows, and I and and I think there was one. There was a person being interviewed, and was talking about. You can invite a demon into your house. You shouldn't do that. Don't invite a demon into your home. <laughs> and as soon as they said that, I tapped right into the chat room. I hereby invite any and all demons to come on over to my house. <gasps> Damn! Don't do that. Don't do that. Ah, come on. What's going to happen? Where's my... De and then for the next few weeks, I kept saying, I'm still waiting for my demon to show up. Where's my demon? You know, we got a room set for him. Or her. You know, demon could be a her. 
We got our, you know, we got we got a place for them. So come on over. Let's go. You know, we'll watch movies. We'll have popcorn. Have a beer. You want a beer? You know, come on over, demon. Now I do have, and I did at the time because I got this some years ago. I do have a demon in the house. I mean, literally, a demon. Uh, in that, from DC Comics. Back in the 1970s, the great Jack Kirby created this character called the Demon. And its name is Etrigan, or Etrigan, I think it's Etrigan. And his alter ego is a fellow named Jason Blood. And he, you know, they switch places or transform into each other, or whatever it is. And, and you know, there's, some, there's a, uh, an action figure or a posable statuette of the Demon that I thought was really cool, so I bought it, and I have it, and I'm holding it in my hand right now. See? Holding it up to the microphone, you can't see. But, you know, I got a demon right here. And it, we proudly have it up on our on our uh, shelf over here. And it's, it stays there. And last Christmas, it was the topper to our Christmas tree. I don't know if it'll be the traditional topper to the tree, but it could be. Because, oh. I mean, it's... it's the th so... There's a YouTube guy. His name is Stephen Bankars. Bankars? I'm not sure exactly how you say his last name. And he's, he's a former New Age Hindu-interested guy. Yeah, he's, he's got the long hair, and he, he's got the, uh, the extended earlobes. You know how they, they, put the, they put the holes in the earlobes, and then they start putting larger and larger objects in them to stretch the skin out? He's got that, that thing going. And he's, but he's found Jesus. I didn't know he, Jesus was lost. <laughs> he found Jesus, and now he evangelizes uh, on YouTube, and he does so in his car. And I got to thinking, wait a minute, I've seen a few YouTubers that sit in a car and do their bits. The gal with the uh, with the Chewbacca mask. That was the the uh, video viral sensation a year or two ago, which is so cute and sweet. I mean, she just loved that video, that that Chewbacca mask. Now I don't know if she just happened to be in the car because she just bought it and she said, "Oh, I want to show you this thing." So it just happened to be in a car. But there's these other guys who have done it, and I and I did a Google search of why are YouTubers making videos in their cars. And one guy just said that it's kind of a it's a nice little studio. He says you have your you have your seat there. You can you, you can set up your camera. He, he says I just use my, my my iPhone. And he says I can I can attach it to with like a like a hair scrunchie around the rearview mirror. And you can attach it there so that's there. And then you can turn pivot the mirror. So if he has somebody sitting in the front seat with him, he can kind of readjust where the camera angle is and he can just talk into that and and I and I imagine maybe the 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 car might be a little quieter might hold out some of the outside noise maybe a little better than than a house might eh, not sure about that but you hear traffic noises periodically as I do my show so you know that's that may be why these guys are doing it and and then I saw and there was there's an article online saying that if somebody earns a living or makes any kind of money doing the YouTube thing, there are instances where that's considered a business 
And like if you're part of a, a neighborhood association, they, they may have rules against you. You can't have a business in your home. So they go out and they do it in their car. <laughs> so, wow, okay. Well, this dude sits in a car, former New Ager, into the Hindu type stuff, and he makes a video where he's telling you that, you know, you should get rid of all these demonic things from your houses. And what are these demonic things? Well, uh, tarot cards, Ouija boards, that makes sense, crystals, uh, anything with yoga associations. So I suppose a yoga pad needs to get taken out of your house. Uh, the, the, that, that ball that you'll, you'll sit on, the, the big inflated rubber ball thing, I think that's associated with yoga. You might have clothes that have some sort of, uh, uh, you know, some pattern on there that shows where your chakras are, or you've got books that are about Hinduism or New Age stuff or Harry Potter. You've got all this stuff in your house and you should get rid of it. You should burn it if you can, but you should get rid of this stuff because each of these items is a, is a portal through which demons can come into your house, come into your home, and you know, mess with your life. So it's a way for not taking responsibility <laughs> for um, you know, uh, bad things happening in your life. It's a way for not taking responsibility. Oh, it's a demon bothering me. That's always bugged me about this demon stuff. It's oh, it's, you know, it's a way for some people to not take responsibility for their lives. At least that's how I've looked at it. So as I'm watching his video talking about this, and I'll link to an article that has the video on it, I see in the video he shows examples of the items that you should take out of your house. And I wondered, you know, I'm sitting in my house, I'm watching this video on my laptop computer, and I see those items on my computer screen. Can the demons come in through my screen? Because those images are in my house right now. I don't know. I mean, is can my laptop be a port key for these demons? Perhaps not. It was just Passover. And a Passover tradition, which for many years I used to think was an Easter tradition, but then it dawned on me that this really has nothing to do with Easter. In fact, I, I think for a while there, when I was younger, I was thinking, why do they keep showing this movie on TV around Easter? Because it really doesn't have anything to do with Easter. Uh, but that's because Passover happens around Easter. You know, the Last Supper on Holy Thursday, where Jesus and the, and the dudes were eaten, uh, you know, that was a Passover thing. And, and uh, so... It, it finally dawned on me at some point. It says, yeah, it's because it's Passover. That's why they're showing the Ten Commandments. The 1956 spectacularly bad but so good movie. I love it. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's almost three hours and 40 minutes long, but when they put it on TV, they start it at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they don't get done until about midnight. They gotta get those commercials in there. They extend that damn thing as long as they can. It that I mean, you watch that movie. It's just it's got a pretty good pedigree. It's got Cecil B. DeMille. He's the director of it, which I believe is this the, the 1956 version is a remake of a version that uh, DeMille did 
back in the silent film era. I believe he did an, a Ten Commandments film back then. Um, so it's so it's it's got it's got him as the director. It's got of course it's got Charlton Heston as Moses Moses, and it's got uh, Yul Brenner and Baxter, uh, Edward G. Robinson, Navanda Carlo. The music was done by Elmer Bernstein. So there's there's some talent in there, and I I I, I didn't recognize any of the names of the writers that worked on. There's four people that worked on writing, and of course God. And, uh, and the Bible, yeah. <laughs> uh, although <laughs> they take some, they take some license. They, t- you know, the, the the whole thing of of now, unless it's somewhere else in the Bible. I was reading Exodus this evening, and unless it's somewhere else in the Bible, there there isn't anything in Exodus that talks about Moses being raised as a son of Pharaoh, you know, a rival to Ramses, and you know, there's there, you know, a conqueror. But uh, a benevolent conqueror of of uh, of the potential enemies of of Egypt. Instead, they become allies, and you know, it's, 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 Moses is this great thing. And the movie is just—it's so—it's spectacular. It's—I never did see it on the big screen. I'd love to see it on the big screen. I think it would look really cool. It's in Technicolor. It's lush. The production values of this movie are just top notch. This was a big film in 1956. But the dialogue is so, oh, it is so pretentious. Everybody, from the pharaoh on down to the old man walking in the mud pits making the bricks, everybody talks in poetry. It's just, it's just nobody, who talks like this? <laughs> and I swear to you, it seems like every time they say the name Moses, it's not Moses, it's Moses, 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 Moses. You know, it's never, it's never a nickname. It's never, hey, Mo, hey, Mo. I say it a yuck, 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 yuck. You know, 10 points if you get that reference. There's nothing like that. It's just Moses. Even his mother, he calls him that. It's just, oh, and... It's, but it, it, as I keep coming back to it, it's spectacular. It looks wonderful. Even on, on TV, it would look better on a big screen because I think sometimes uh, films shown on a big screen uh, hide some of the seams of the special effects. But for 1956, the special effects in that film are outstanding. They're really good. <laughs> And Cecil B. DeMille, he does the voiceover, and I've had con- conflicting information about who does the voice of God, because God, as he's laying down the commandments and talking to Moses, I've heard that it's Charlton Heston doing it, and I've heard that it's somebody named, oh shoot, I can't remember, it's like Davos or Delos uh, Jukes, something like that. An actor, apparently a singer-actor that had a very baritone voice. I don't know who it is. Um... It's, uh, it's. There are things in the movie I got. I got to mention. I might go a little long today because I got to talk about this damn thing. <clears throat> There's. Uh, let's see. Uh, the production value is awesome. Uh, production value. I just. It's just great. It, it's. There are things in the, it, like when Moses gets cast out of Egypt and he he ends up in some you know 
Midian, I think it's called, and uh, uh, he he was he, he finds a, a fig bush or a date bush or something like that, and he starts eating the fruit off of that, and he falls asleep out in the in the bushes, and these seven daughters of some sheik come to gather water, and uh, he's very near the watering hole, and uh, uh, they spot him. <laughs> And it's all, oh, it's a man, a man, oh, a man. Oh, look, his sandals, he's Egyptian. Who cares? It's a man. Who knew Fred Wynn was in the movie? And it, it, and then some, some dudes show up to take advantage of the well or whatever, and, and they're, they're nasty to the, to the gals. But you would think that there would be a couple seconds like, where at least one of them would say, ooh, more men. It's, it's like... What the hell? <laughs> Yvonne DiCarlo, the oldest sister, she's probably been around, so, yeah. She's the only one that seems a little nonplussed, the fact that there's a man nearby. And, she, of course, she ends up being married to uh, to Moses. Uh, there's the, the, of course, everything leads up to the, you know, the... The night of the living death coming, you know, or I don't know if it's living death, but the the creeping death shows up, and it's, it's going to take the firstborn of every uh, uh, every person born in Egypt, the firstborn, okay, and the in order to get in order to get the creeping death to pass over, hence the name of the of the of the of the holy time for Jewish folks, to get them to pass over your house and not kill any firstborns that are inside of it you you put blood you put lamb's blood out on the on the lintel you know above the door and along the sides of the door not on the door at least in the movie not on the door but around the door and it, you, the creeping death is going to move by now let's think about that god can figure out who's the firstborn but he can't figure out which people not to kill. These are my people. I'm trying to get them out of bondage. Oh, and the word bondage was used many times. Bondage. You know, probably more times than it was used in Fifty Shades of Grey. Which, by the way, I have not seen that movie. But if you want to see a movie that has to do with some bondage and S&M and submissive and dominant and that kind of stuff, if you want to see a movie that's good about that, watch Secretary. James Spader, Maggie Gyllenhaal pretty good. There's a spanking scene in there that's pretty good. And that's all I'm going to say. Anyway, <laughs> so they're in some house and the death mist is, is, is creeping along and, and a firstborn's walking around outside and he drops dead. Uh, it's, it's like, look, it, it's announced to everybody, okay, firstborns, you're going to want to go into the houses that have the blood around the door. You're going to want to go in there. Everybody else should be just walking around and partying. You know, say, hey, God's not killing me. <laughs> I'm thirdborn. <laughs> what about, what if there was a, the firstborn was stillborn? Huh? And the secondborn, should he just, just in case, he or she, did just in case, go to the, you know, go in the house with the blood on the door, or around the door, should they do that? You know, should we should he do that? Now, if somebody did make the mistake, didn't quite get the message, and they put the blood on the door, not around the door, would God kind of stop there and look and say, "Okay, and I got myself a hanging Chad situation. Do I take 
do I go in and kill the firstborn in this one? Did they mean to put it around the lintel? I said specifically around the door, not on the door, not under the door, not over the window. I said specifically it's supposed to be on the outside door. What if... <laughs> so anyway, um, in that scene, Moses is in, I think, Moses wasn't the firstborn, so he's he's got no worries. But his brother Aaron, I think, was. Aaron was three years older than uh, than Moses. And at this time, Moses is 80 years old, according to the Bible. And 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 if you recall, uh, after he destroys the uh, Ten Commandments given to him by God, he wanders in the wilderness with his with this multitude of of Israelites of Hebrews uh, former slaves who none of who leave no trace at all of their passing because you know why because the exodus didn't actually happen Egypt didn't have Hebrew slaves and they didn't let a multitude go <laughs> could you imagine if they did have Hebrew slaves and they let the multitude leave, what that would do to the Egyptian economy at that time? I mean, during the American Civil War, when when slavery was ended, you know, the, the South at least had the resources of the North to help try to, you know, you know, try to help them through Reconstruction, and they could offer the former slaves shave, uh, sharecropping, you know, that the sharecropper kind of state, you know, that kind of thing, to pay them a little bit and help them, you know, to keep them on, and say, okay, we're gonna stop whipping you and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if, if the pharaoh could have come up with a, a share bricker kind of thing. You know, it's like, hey, if you guys keep making bricks, you know, we'll stop beating you up and maybe give you a little more food and pay you a little something. You know, four hundred one k plan, minimum wage, something. Okay, so, so there they are. They're in the they're, the scene is they're in the the this this house and then death is all around the place taking the firstborns, and they're sitting in there and there's a kid. I assume is Moses' son, his firstborn, uh, who's asking questions about what's going on here. This is the exposition to explain. This is the setup of the of the seder. I guess it's what it's called the the celebration or the observance of, of Passover uh, that the folks do. And there's a guy in there who's wandering around singing. You know, he just all of a sudden he just starts singing something. Uh, I, 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 it's just like, oh Lord, let us get through this night. You know, I, I, that's not a word that he's saying, but you know, it's something like that. And gosh, I, I hope Frank dies because I really want to have his uh, ox cart. Hey, you're coveting your neighbor's goods, and so hey, <laughs> dude, noses, you haven't written that down yet. You haven't written that rule yet, so you know. But he's walking around singing. I, I just, just little moments, very subtle. It's weird, um, and then so they're eating this stuff. They're eating uh, bitter food and stuff that you know, unleavened bread and the, and some bitter. I don't know what it is, and uh, and he's and Moses is explaining to the kid that you know this is where we eat this to remind us of the of the years of bondage of our people, and you know tonight we're we're heading out and. and you know, we're, this is going to be the last night of our bondage because tomorrow we're going to go free. And the kid should say, well, you know, 
we're still technically in bondage. I, I don't know. I don't think we need to be reminded at this point. Don't Shouldn't we be reminded after we're out of bondage? And so we don't forget that we were in it. But I mean, right now we're still in it. And then Moses could say to the kid, why don't you go stand outside for a little bit? <clears throat> all right. So they, it's, it, they, they get freed. And there's all these miracles, you know, the, the pillar of fire, the, the, the parting of the Red Sea, fantastic scenes. And Moses gets the Ten Commandments from God. And the, the people start having orgies because Moses is up in the mountain for too damn long. And they forget all the stuff that has happened. It's like they just forget. Did you not notice all that stuff? Don't you think his God's going to be a little, you know, your God's going to be a little upset with you? So Moses is up there writing the commandments. I mean, getting the commandments from God. Comes down, gets mad, throws the commandments at everybody, and then they, they're forced to wander around for 40 years. So the guy's 80 years old. He's 120 when they finally make it to Canaan. Well, anyway. It's just, it's such a wonderfully awful movie. <laughs> it, it's top-notch production value. You know, good actors in the movie, a decent director. I know Fifty Mills, one of the great directors, but he certainly had a he had a style. It's got a great you know, uh, music composer making the, the the music for the film. It's just the Technicolor, the the way it looks. It's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. It's so good. Now I wanted to take a little extra time because I was thinking about this Ten Commandments thing, not just about the movie. The man. It's so bad. Um, oh, and and just before I get, there's this, there's another song. There's two other songs that are done in the movie. Just little quick little snippets. There's the 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 uh, the, the slave girl uh, uh, Lilia, who's uh, the girlfriend of Joshua, and she gets taken by the by Dathan Edward G. Robinson's character, and she's she's a firstborn, and she's sitting in the window of her house. And she's, she's got her lyre out, and she's singing, Death cometh to me. Pretty much just like that. I mean, I'm pretty spot on on that. Death cometh to me. <laughs> and then, once Pharaoh says, Okay, get the hell out of here. Take whatever you want and go. And so everybody's going, and they're leaving. And then there's this procession of, uh, of these, uh, I don't know, priests, rabbis, whatever they are, and they're carrying a dead body that's all kind of uh, in this big cocoon-type casing. And the dudes are walking along, and they're all singing. It's, it's Joseph, you know. Many colors was his coat. And they, whatever else the lines are. Blah, 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 as they pass by. And there's a blind old man. And his, his grandkids are telling him what's going on. And he says, oh, they're going to bury Joseph in the new land or whatever. And so that's, that's as they're leaving. And so then when, this, when we get to the... The parting of the Red Sea and the multitudes walking through it. These same group of guys are walking along. Many colors was his coat. I mean, if I were near those guys, dudes, sing a different song. You know, we're going to end up wandering for 40 years. You're not going to sing that thing for 40 years, are you? All right, so the Ten Commandments. Up there, this is not absolutely just for me. This is, uh, some, I've heard other people mention this, so, and I don't know specifically who, but about the Ten Commandments. Do you know what those are? 
Do you know the Ten Commandments, what they are? Uh, don't worry, I've written them down. And I'll, I'll run, run through this, and there's something that, that occurred to me that I heard other people talk about, and I thought I'd mention here. So you got, uh, and it, it, these are just briefly worded. So uh, the first commandment is no other gods before God. You know, this I am God. You don't have any other gods. It's just me. Two, so make no graven images, no idol worship kind of thing. Uh, three, do not use God's name in vain. Four, keep the Sabbath, you know, observe the Sabbath. And then five, honor your mom and dad. Six, don't kill. Uh, seven, no adultery. Uh, eight, don't steal. Nine, no, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And ten, do not covet anything belonging to your neighbor. Okay, now, I just imagine Moses up there with God as God's writing the commandments. <clears throat> And just saying, you know, gee whiz, God, are you sure you just want ten? Yeah, ten. I figured it's ten. Look, I'm God. I know everything. It's ten. Okay? Why? What's your problem? Well, the first four are all about you. Yeah. So? Well, it's, it's kind of needy, isn't it? I mean, really, don't you? I mean, look, I have an idea of some other things we can put in here, and if you want to keep it to ten... You know you're gonna have you're gonna have to let some of these go, and, and you know let's keep the first one where you're God. Don't worship any other gods. You're God. You know, okay? And let's not worry so much about graven images or using your name in vain or the Sabbath thing. I don't know. I like my Sundays or uh, Saturdays, depending on what you're looking at. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I think we should. There's some things that should be in here, and then so God would say, "Okay, all right. What do you What do you got? I'm never say that I don't listen to my employees." So Moses brings up. He says, "You know, how about instead of the graven image thing, we uh, put in, you know, it seems kind of crazy that this isn't in here, considering what we just went through. Uh, how about thou shalt not keep slaves." Huh? Oh, you know you're right. You know, with all that stuff going on, the the plagues I sent, and the parting the sea, and the pillar of fire, and all this other stuff I was doing, it just kind of slipped my mind. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah, okay, we could put the no slaves thing in there. And then, so what other guys' ideas do you have? Well, how about how about thou shalt not rape? Ooh. Yeah, good one. Uh, wow. How did that not occur to me? Ooh. Uh, you got another one? Well, instead of the Sabbath thing, I don't know. I like my Sabbath. Well, just hear me out. How about thou shalt not abuse children? Well, you know, I don't know. What about the sparing the rod thing? Well, I know, God, but, you know, the, the kids are our future. <laughs> What, how about not beating them? I mean, really, seriously. Why are these things not in the commandments? You got four dealing with God, but he doesn't think of no slavery, no rape, no abusing children. He doesn't think of these things. I think he should have thought of those things. Uh, movie recommendation for this week, what else would it be? The Ten Commandments. If you got to spare three, and a, three, and 40, three hours, 40 minutes... If you can you know, get the film, I know it was just on TV, 
But watch that. Or if you're in a more kinky mood, secretary. I'm not kidding. Secretary's not too bad. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Oh, thank you for indulging me and letting me go ten minutes over what it's been. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Simmons, saying, sleep with the lights off. Check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Well, I'm going to hell. hell.